This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Is it a great day to be an L.A. Rams fan or a Detroit Rams fan? I no, mean, please no. That's such a, <laughs> I hate the Detroit dude. I love Matt Stafford. I'm, I was rooting for the Rams, but when I saw pictures of like the Detroit Rams shirts, I'm just like, all right, let's have some class, people. Let's not do that. Yeah, that was a very interesting gesture. But welcome to the most valuable sports podcast, the leading sports podcast for Fair State University College and Pro Sports and Beyond. My name is Brandon Worth, alongside my co-partner, Mr. Joe Nagy. Joe, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, but before I was doing great before you mentioned the Detroit Rams stuff, and <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, you just gotta keep it, gotta keep you on edge, you know. Keep oh, you on yeah. the edge of your seat. We've done this a couple times, you know. Sometimes you gotta shake it up, you mm-hmm. know. Different intro today, but hey, we're having a good time. As well as our guest is joining us, Jeffrey Walker is joining us Jeff, from the Jeff, fire pit. Jeff, Welcome, Jeff, 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 Jeff. It's good to see you, my friend. Big Stafford guy here. Big yes, Stafford sir. Guy? Big oh. Stafford fan. Ooh, to see we're going to have a great discussion on what happened in the Super Bowl, including what is going on with the Hall of Fame Stafford talks and so forth. But first, Ferris State Sports Report presented by Bulldog Radio. Shout out to them for helping us make this podcast possible. Moving first to the hardwood. Pair of wins last night. Red out. Thanks for everybody that showed up and wore their red. We appreciate all the fans' support. We know it was an odd day, right? It was Valentine's Day. You know, it's a Monday. We, we, knew we that. still made fat money, though. Oh, yeah. We made some great money, and it's going towards a great cause for the Spectrum Health Cardiopulmonary Rehab Unit, as well as Women's Heart Health General, as February is the month to support that cause but it was great big monday was awesome we got two wins in the books both on women's and men's side we can start on the women's here the first game at 5 30 ended 88 to 63 was the final and i think coach westendorp in his interview i think really spoke in what i think the fans would agree with it's about time that they got one through. It really was a little bit of what seemed like a, a little bit of a struggle. I mean, they they got the wins against Davenport and Lake State. They didn't play the greatest in those ones. Mm-hmm. And then the last home game, of course, was the dreadful loss to GV last weekend. Um, or two weekends ago. No, it was last weekend. Yeah. yeah. The weekend before last. You know what I mean. But, I mean, it was a great game as far as really did it. On all cylinders, I think really was the biggest part. We started off fast, 28 points in the first quarter. That's been something that we've been monitoring a lot this season. We've had some slower starts, but, I mean, this one was really good. I think defensively we did a great job. We really, I think the first, I would say the first quarter and second quarter, they started to get a little bit of second looks I think a lot of the time like rebounds we were struggling a little bit Um, I mean they definitely out rebounded us at the end of the game on total but I mean I think we I think it'd be fair to say in the the third and the fourth quarter I think we really locked it down defensively as far as not allowing second chance opportunities but I think I mean I think we still did a great job overall being able to adjust to that and we were able to knock down some shots we were 42% from the floor 84% from the line and not a lot of turnovers and our defense did a great job of forcing 20 T-Wolf turnovers that's the recipe for success right there yeah that's true especially when you only give seven but I mean when you look at it though you got to look at like 
where we've been for some of these players uh, on our team with scoring wise. I mean, we had six girls in double digits, and then Zoe Anderson, Chloe Dewey almost had twenty with nineteen apiece. Like the scoring was definitely on point last night. Uh, you know. Uh, Caden was a little bit slower. I think she only had like two points going into the fourth quarter, but then you know she had two threes and really started lighting it up there. And she ended with twelve, so she went on a really big run too. So I think when you look at that, that's a good thing. That's going to be a recipe for success going into these later games of the season. That like, yeah, we might have some players that slow down, but we can get hot in an instant. It doesn't matter if they've been having a bad game; they got that short memory. So that's one thing too. But I'll tell you what, refs were a little whistle happy in this one. They were, they were, they were definitely ready to call anything that didn't look like a foul a foul. And you could definitely hear that from a lot of the Paris fans <laughs> that were starting to scream and yell about like whether it was a foul or not. Sometimes they were definitely wrong because uh, like there was like five times where they were yelling like that's a travel or like that's like a foul, and I was like, man, she didn't even get touched. You know, <laughs> you know some of those times like. Fans just, like, they get caught up in being a fan, then they fail to realize, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that I think actually was a foul. Think, yeah, they get, like, tunnel vision. Yeah, that was like, they're looking through rose-colored glasses or whatever. Yeah, there was def. I think it's fair to say a little whistle-happy officiating on both games yeah, last Yeah, both night. games were, dude. The I, men's game was even worse. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a second. But overall improvement, I mean, this, this team beat us in Midland back on, I believe it was the 24th of last month in January. They got mm-hmm. us by five at their place in really a tight game. And, I mean, the biggest difference, it seemed like, was being able to take care of the ball. I mean, we only had, I believe, seven turnovers um, to Northwood. And that game we played first, uh, we had 13 against Northwood. I mean, limiting the turnovers and giving you more chance to score is is a huge. And, I mean, we upped our, our scoring um, against the Timberwolves by 23 points compared to the last matchup. That was really huge. And it was really a massive game when it comes to um, the GLIAC standings right now because, I mean, with that victory, that should put us in a pretty good position in second. Am I right, Joe? You're the you're the scoreboard you're the scoreboard stands standings guy. I you think know, that I, puts us in second. I am that guy, and I gotta open up another little tab so <laughs> way I can open it up because yes. here's one side note. Okay, GLIAC, your website's great. But for the schedule, can you put the recent week like at the top? Yes, so I gotta scroll please. down like 15 times to get down to it. But anyway, one sec. Standings for the women's game. We are second uh, by four games. Uh, Grand Valley's 14 and one. We are 11 and five. And then Wayne State is 10 and five, right behind us. But I mean, Grand Valley right now is like sixth in the nation, I think, right now. So they're kind of rolling. Yeah, and I mean, we've been looking at it as well. Parkside has been on a huge run they've won seven of their last 10 and they're now i believe a one game behind us right now in fourth as well right behind wayne state but that that was a huge win i think against a good northwood team they're 15 and 8 this season so far so a very good quality win and i mean really just good to see some good basketball a lot of great things um happening i mean especially when you see like i mean looking at, at who was being able to score like there wasn't necessarily one person that stood out. Like there wasn't necessarily the the thirty point game that you know you always look for um, from the, your your top scores. But I mean, like you mentioned it, Joe. Like the the scoring was was across the board like solid. Everybody everybody played their part. I mean, Adrian Anderson had thirteen. Zoe Anderson and Coladoni each had nineteen. Uh, Caden Blanchard and Mallory McCartney, 12 and 10, respectively. Mallory had nine assists. Coleodoni had 10 rebounds, double-double. That's pretty sweet. Uh, Maya Hiram also had 11 off the bench. It was a really a great a great effort all the way around. And I think the, the biggest thing was, uh, I think Zoe Anderson was like feeling it. She took a lot of shots in this game. But, I mean, they, they, were, they were falling, especially at the beginning of the game. So, 
Uh, really good to see. And, I mean, especially looking now down the stretch, I mean, a lot of winnable games left to move up in the standings, especially now what we got Liat Conference Tournament right around the corner. Only mm-hmm. a couple weeks. The time is now. Yeah. Really put your foot on the gas and really finish the season strong. I yeah. mean, every, every girl that played in double-digit minutes in that game had double-digit points. Yeah, So that's correct. Yeah. You'll love to see it. And speaking of the GLIAC, we can go through the teams that are making a late-season push to get a better standing for that tournament. Uh, Thursday, uh, the games were actually pretty much spread out through a pretty wide amount. I mean, it was like Thursday to, honestly, Tuesday that the games are going to be spread out. So there's going to be a preview, at least today, which is going to be surprising since Tuesday. But uh, last Thursday, Purdue Northwest fell to Wayne State 59-47. Uh, Grand Valley State played host to Northern Michigan. They won 50-42. to Parkside uh, had to travel all the way down to Saginaw, or I guess across the pond to Saginaw Valley, 74 to 67. Uh, and then Michigan Tech beats Davenport 71 to 51. That one was pretty expected. Davenport is bottom of the league. And then on to Saturday, Parkside won 64 to 55 against Wayne State. Uh, Grand Valley gets the sweep of the weekend against Michigan Tech, uh, 61 to 45. Uh, so they're still rolling with that. Saginaw Valley. Beats Purdue Northwest 81-73. to uh, Northwood, before they came here, were able to get a pretty good win against Lake Superior State 89-57. to And then Northern Michigan beat Davenport 54-43. to uh, So, hate to see that for them. And then Northern Michigan had to play last night as well. 59-39 to win over Saginaw Valley. So, that one is a big one, especially wow. with Saginaw Valley uh, kind of making that late push. But they... They, uh, that's the only reason that they're behind Parkside now in the standings is because that lost to Northern Michigan. And then today, Lake Superior State and Wayne State will be taking on each other in the Sioux. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said Wayne State lost um, over the weekend. Who did they lose Wayne to? Wayne State lost to Parkside. Parkside, And Parkside man. is making a pretty good run yeah. at four. So that's the reason why, I mean, if Wayne State won that, we're tied with them yeah, that's, at the top. So That's crazy. But anything can happen, especially when you say the the month of march right anything oh, yeah. can happen and well, i mean we're only 15 days away well less than that be 14 days away depending on if you count today you know of course but i mean it's it's looking to be good but i mean we're in a good spot right now we gotta, i love where we're at i, I think, think we're pretty solid i don't think we'll get the host i think of a we won't get the host of the gleek tournament i think grand, grand valley's probably gonna get that one mm-hmm. since they're you I know, mean, we'll get opening round, but we'll we get, won't we'll get, get the, the opening yeah, round, yeah. but we won't get like the final couple games. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that one's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be good for so a revenge tour for us, for these teams that we've lost to so far. Um, I'm not really sure who we'd really mark up against yet because anything can happen still. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a pretty good situation, especially when we only got, you know, four more games left in the Gleak, in Gleak play. But, I mean, we're finishing out the season against Parkside. Tech and Northern. So. Yeah, those are some tough games, but hey, great way to come in, right? Red Hot off of a big win on Red Out Night. Got to say, you know how looking, it is, looking pretty good. So, um, but moving on over to the men's side, another victory in the books, what a, game. a well-needed victory. What really. a game! And this game was very interesting. I mean, we mentioned the, the whistle blowing already, so that doesn't have to be mentioned twice. But I mean, what was it? Four people fouled out or something? So I'm, and li- then there was like five people that had four fouls. Yeah. So on our side alone, we had one that fouled out, um, in Ben Davidson. We had three guys with four fouls, one with three. Northwood had two guys that fell fouled out, two guys with four, and then two I bl- or two more with three, I believe, or one just with three. But yeah, we had double bonus. I think both halves with at least eight minutes left in each half, if I remember correctly. That's crazy. 
But yeah. I mean, that's just I think the, way- the second half on the broadcast that I was just, or like because like I'm by the computer, the broadcast coming up. Rob was saying there was like forty some fouls in the second half. Yes, which is ridiculous. There were so many times where like they just were the rest were terrible. Honestly, that game. I mean. Bronkema was getting vocal about it, and then he got a warning. So I'm honestly pretty surprised that he didn't get teed up because he was getting pretty, pretty theatrical on the sidelines. But like, there was times where like Dorian would go for like a st- like move his he he got his drove on or he got. Let me rephrase this: A player drove in on Dorian, yes, and then he got like pushed over. Yes, I know what player. It should have been like not like it should have been an f- offensive foul, and then Dorian gets called because his arm gets caught in there, and like. Dorian is definitely not like in at fault for it, and then they call it on him, and then they call Ben out for like two of the. Ben should have finished the game with like three fouls, but he got hosed on two calls, and then Lee almost got fouled out, and there was a couple times where uh, the Northville players that fouled out they should not have fouled out because there was like two or three times they got hosed on some calls. Yeah. Okay. Math majors, I need your help. Eleven, 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 and fourteen. Forty-seven. There was forty-seven fouls Jeez. in that game. 47. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Anyway, besides that point, 21-point dub, you can take it, right? I mean, give credit to Northwood. They're one of the better four-win teams I've ever seen. Like Jack Ehrman is cold, dude. Jack, Jack Ehrman is that, really good. That kid can ball. Especially I mean, when especially when like all their play, uh what was it, number three, Ramel Arnold? Ramel Arnold is also really good. Mm-hmm. But like when he fouled out and Jack kind of got the call to be the one, like... There was times where he'd back it down on Jimmy, give him a little stutter step, get him shaked off, and then just like hit a fadeaway right in his face. And I'm like, bruh. Yeah. It's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, Jack had 26 points to really rekindle the nightmares of two years ago. And then me and Joe watched that team torch our team by the, the courtesy of number 11. But not this time. Not Northwood. this time, baby. Not this time. Great win. We shot the ball very well. That's been something that has been well needed. 50% from three, 50% from the floor overall, 81 from the line. That's getting the job done with 92 points. I mean, hey, they would have probably liked the triple digits, but, you know, you got you to gotta save some room for improvement, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe Ben Davidson was the leading scorer at 21. Logan Ryan right behind with 20. Lee Higgins had 18 as well. Dorian Louis adding 15 points, 12 rebounds, double, double. Yes, um, sir. Jimmy Scholler added nine assists and seven boards to his stat line, as well as Reese Hazel. And adding five, Vasquez with four. Walt Kelser also had seven, along with six assists. But I think this really gives a testament to where we were at a few weeks ago to a month ago. Nothing but pure fire, straight hot. Nothing really any teams could do to shut yeah. us down. I mean, Walt was scoring what twenty-five a game, basically. Yep, everybody I mean, was adding. Jimmy was getting a little bit more points. I mean. Luckily, Lee and Dorian and Logan are still kind of on that hot streak, but Ben is starting to get up a little bit more too. But like, you would you know throw anybody in, and they were just making immediate impact. But now we've kind of started to slow down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The complimentary basketball, I think, is one of the biggest pieces because I mean, you have all of these guys that can be able to fill it each and every night, but. He having the ability to still out-rebound a team, being able to take care of the basketball. I mean, the, the distribution was awesome last night. 27 assists speaks for itself. And, I mean, you have a lot of the guys. I mean, we've talked about Wall having uh, big games. We've talked about DA having big games. Every night, somebody is always has the ability to step up. And that's the biggest thing is bringing that, that depth and being able to have all of those scorers and being able to not only – 
be able to score it, but even to find the scores, right? There was so many great times where we'd move the basketball around and get it to D.A. and Lee because they were knocking down shots. And you were giving them, and I mean, giving Ben the basketball because he had the hot hand. And when we were able to make that stretch run in the second half, it was like, yeah, we're going to go threes way, get him the rock. And, and it made, pretty much pulling up from 30 to cap off that huge run in the second half. That seems like we've seen that before. Uh, cue the Grand Valley game. But, I mean, being able to see them do it, in a whole bunch of different ways, I think, brings a huge confidence boost, especially now having to go on a tough road trip over across the pond because those aren't easy games regardless of what the other team's records are and how well they've done this year. Exactly, and it just speaks with the depth of the team where, you know, your bench is scoring points and then you got Ben coming off the bench being your leading scorer. You know, that just shows, like, every single person on this team can end up getting buckets any night they get hot. And I think that shows the development of how far the bench has come since the start of the year. I mean, when you look at it, like, Ben, yeah, he's, you know, scoring 20 points, now 15 points or so. But at the start of the season, you know, he was maybe scoring, you know, 10 at most for those first couple of weeks. And then he's actually starting to now really being one of the guys who can pick up the slack when Wallace's not scoring. I mean, look at it, too. I mean, Reese Hazleton with five, that's, you know, a lot more than he's been able to do. But when you look at what he's able to do with rebounding and kind of being a force down the paint when when uh, Vejas or or Logan are kind of in foul trouble, he's able to step up a lot. And I mean, Ethan Erickson, he's been on a little bit of a slump, but he's still developed into a guy who's got a lot of confidence. I've seen him pull up shots that you know you know take a lot of confidence to take when you got a guy kind of in your face or he's able to shake some people off. So it really shows how well our bench has been able to develop into some pretty confident basketball players because good teams can have a good starting five that can really develop that can really produce and stuff but the best teams are the ones that can you know toss a big moment to their bench players and they can step up yeah that's definitely a big piece of this team is the depth and I mean we got some guys that this is their last season but I think the the, the feel is like it's not it's like we have so much behind that we're not really the too worried about like yeah. oh like this is the year like the program has been has been absolutely phenomenal the culture there the the constant championship culture on and off the floor is what makes this team special and that how everybody can contribute right in one way or another like i mean we we talk about walt kelser having a big role we talk about jimmy Scholl having a big role heck aiden shore has a big role right you need the bench guys right he gets everybody hyped up every game with this honey dip dunk right you need those types of people you need everybody to be able to contribute in one way or another and i mean i think both teams not only the men's but the women's too has so many pieces that can be able to be able to move, shift around, and provide a spark, especially when they need to. Because in March, like there's going to be games where top teams come out flat. It's going to happen. What are you going to be able to do to spark that change, flip the switch, and get a move on in whatever you need to do to win that game? It is absolutely crucial. And the fact that we're seeing that right now is a very positive thing to see. But can't quote me if I'm wrong, Joe. I believe there was an upset this week in the GLIAC basketball side possibly possibly i'm trying to look at it i've got to figure out but anyways we'll start it off uh thursday purdue northwest had the battle of the lower part of the bracket with wayne state 53 to 56 wayne state is able to take the win over that one obviously we lost against lake superior state earlier 88 to 73 but you know bounce back against northwood love to see it Northern Michigan gets a big win over Grand Valley State, 85 to 81. Now it's kind of a middle of the road, uh, you know, upset. They're both eight and eight now, so Grand Valley is kind of slowing down 
a little bit uh, from their hot start in the beginning of the season. Michigan Tech is still rolling. They're now uh, one game behind us with a win against Davenport, 84-72. to Saginaw Valley picks up a win against Parkside, and that's another one of those kind of middle-of-the-road. Saginaw Valley is still third in the GLIAC, so that was a big win for them. Uh, they won 76-68. to And then on a Saturday, Mich- uh, Grand Valley State played host to Michigan Tech. Uh, they went and did business, 75-67. Huskies roll over the Lakers. Uh, Northern Michigan then had to travel to Davenport. Uh, big road weekend for them, but they still won 81-75. to uh, Hate to see it for Davenport. I think they're uh, one of the lower teams. They're 6-9 so far, so hate to see it for them. And then Purdue Northwest have a travel all the way to Saginaw Valley. Saginaw Valley did business, 86-68. to Big win for them. And then Lake Superior State... Northwood just can't get any wins so far this season. They're still 2-11. 81-52, Lake Superior State rolls over them. And then the last game of the week, Parkside versus Wayne State. Wayne State does business, 72-67. That's a big one for Wayne State. But, yeah, I was I was talking about the, the Northern beating Grand Valley. That was, a, mm-hmm. that was a big win. Grand Valley's been sliding down. They were, I believe, at one point. They were two. They were tied with Michigan Tech, I think. Yeah. And it was like... They've lost six or seven wins, and they only had like one loss. But they've kind of been on a little bit of a slow turn yeah. these past couple weeks. Their last ten, four and six, including four in a row. That's a tumble. That's a that's that's one where you gotta think of like uh, you know what's the problem here? Yeah, you really can't be can't be dropping these games, especially this late in the season. Yes, uh, exactly. against you know where these teams are ranked. You gotta really put some distance between you and Northern Michigan. You gotta close the gap between uh, you know. Or they have to try to close the gap between us uh, and especially with Michigan Tech too, you know, because they've they've been losing a lot of key games here. Yeah, absolutely. But if you want more stats and more, go check that out at www.ferrisstatebulldogs.com. Anyway, moving on over to the ice, uh, tough weekend and in the Sioux. This one I think stings a little bit. Um, some gettable games, just not able to get it done. Two losses on the weekend. The first one on Friday, five three. I mean, we were in good position on Friday. I mean, we got the first goal um, with Dallas Tulick scoring um, in the opening period. And then, I mean, Lake State just really came came at it near the end of the first. And, I mean, every every time we landed a punch, they got a punch right back. That It was just really hard to try to answer. And, I mean, I mean we got within one or late. And, I mean, we, we, we took the risk, went for, went for the win over um, – or went for the tie, and I mean, I wouldn't regret that at all, but they were able to put in an empty net late in the third period to seal the two-goal win, but I mean, that that first game was tough. I mean, we can get into the, the second game in a minute, but I mean, I think we saw a lot of good things, I would say. Um, I think so far, I mean, we would have probably liked to see more shots get on net, I think. I mean, we had, to, I think, 28 total, um, being able to put three uh, was, was crucial, but I mean, you'd like to have more, but... Uh, I mean, Lake State just they they just had their opportunities. I mean, they only had 22 shots. They put in 18 of them, um, but I, it was just a, a little bit of a tough time. We had a lot of we had a lot of penalties. We can't do that. You're in the box, I believe, five times, uh, 10 minutes total on five minors. Those type of things are what you just got to take out. It's mm-hmm. really tough. And Mac Lake State had four power play opportunities. Was absolutely huge. And I mean, they played they played very clean. We only got on the power play once. And, I mean, they really hammered us early, and even though we kind of we roared our way back. And, granted, we did a great job in the second period, only allowing them to, I believe, two shots. Uh, it's just, you know, the third period just couldn't hold it up, and they were able to, to, to run away with this one. Just a tough one. This is a, this is a, this is a tough these one. Were, this was a much-needed split, at the least. And uh, to lose both of these is really tough because I think the, the possibility of hosting a game in the playoffs is now kind of out the door. Uh, which really sucks. Uh, 
I mean, for the guys, especially that, you know, you only have one more home stretch with uh, Michigan Tech coming uh, to town this weekend. But, like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Like, they knew what they had to do when they went into this, and, you know, you just can't get it done, which sucks. But, I mean, what are you – you just got to, like, you just got to win out the season, I guess. Like, now that you don't have the, you know, home spot to play for, now you just got to play for pride and try to finish it out just so you can get a little bit better of a seating for the CCHA tournament. And, you know, you just got to get ready to – ready to go and playoff start anything can happen i mean so i mean to finish out the season strong going in momentum into the tournament i mean you never know they can possibly win it just <laughs> you know off of, we've beat just off momentum yeah we i mean we've beat minnesota state so far this year we beat bemidji uh you know we've been close against northern and michigan tech we beat lake superior state so if we see some of these teams it's not like they're an unbeatable team and obvi- obviously we'll get another test with michigan tech coming and we'll get a little bit of a preview for that uh but you know it's just coming down to us having a little bit more grit, having a little bit more uh, adversity that we've been able to see this so far this year. And, you know, an incredible improvement from last year, especially since we only won one game, which is crazy to see. And we were able to, you know, pick up, I think, what, what are we right now, like 9 and 10, I think it is. So when you win nine more games than you did last year, that's really good to see. But I don't know. There's not really much to say other than just play for the tournament at this point. Yeah, I think that's really all you can do. And I mean, the the Saturday game certainly was one that kind of stung pretty hard, um, the 4-0 loss. But this game was very interesting looking back on it and listening into parts of it. Uh, I think if I remember, I mean, we talked about the basketball game being pretty physical. This one was also just as physical. I was reading up in the recap, 79 minutes from both teams combined in penalties. 79 minutes. You know how many yeah, power like plays there were? pretty... How many power plays there were? Mm. Fifteen. Seven for us, eight for the Lake Lakers. State, Lake State usually gets pretty. Lake State and Bowling Green, for some reason, are like some of the most uh, physical games uh, that like I've been able to see so far this year. Yeah, I think, I mean, Bowling Green being our rival definitely can attest to that. And if we played Grand Valley and... I- You'd have to. You'd have oh, to have you'd, some. You'd have, you'd, everybody would be going. Maybe off some. On po- maybe some police presence in that game. Would let's, be just, let's just start that up. Let's just have their D three hockey program play our D one <laughs> hockey program. See what happens. Just hey, for fun. Just for funsies. <laughs> Exhibition game. Couple fights, but yeah, physical game. And I mean, really, Lake State was able to capitalize two power play goals for them. And I mean, they were they were able to put up ten more shots on goal. That's always a recipe for success. But the craziest thing to me is like. There's times where we we do we don't necessarily win the faceoffs, but we end up winning the game and it seems like when we it's the opposite. I mean, we never come out on top. I mean, we had thir- I believe we won 38 faceoffs as opposed to 26 for Lake State. I mean, we had opportunities with the puck longer. Theoretically, like just going off that stat line, what happens in between and I think we could both attest to this Joe is like there's times frankly in the game where we just don't we don't hold on to the puck that long like we we have we have a, a first play run and it doesn't work and it's just kind of a dump and reset kind of a thing and I mean obviously I'm not I'm not a hockey expert and I have like no right to say what's right and what's wrong but I mean like there's times where we we set up good like good offense moving the puck around and this is power play or not like when we're able to get good times I mean the dump and run just sometimes just doesn't work and you have to find something else and a lot of the time we just haven't found that something else and that that's just really hard to win when you're really kind of on one fundamental you can't move to something else because i mean when we've seen them be able to use multiple multiple ways to score 
being able to set up good passing plays. I mean, heck, how many times have we set up something off the draw to tie the game late and it's worked, right? But it's just it's just so hard to see. We it's just hard to see. Everything looks like it's lining up, but it's just not going in the net. And how that is how that's not happening has been the question of the whole season, especially in the third period. I mean, still, I mean, like if you you know they're they're getting good shots at least. So I mean, eventually those shots will start falling eventually, and and that, I mean that's what you're kind of hoping for. And, you know, like, we haven't really been struggling offensively, but defensively it's something that we've been really slacking a little bit. Yeah, and just to point out the obvious, the fact that we pretty much single-handedly got beat by Jake Willits, that makes me angry. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Hate to see it. But, you know, we got to make a final push for the before the tournament comes up in these last two weekends of uh, regular season play. But some other teams that are making some pushes to get some higher up on the CCHA standings, We'll go through the scores that happened throughout this weekend. Michigan Tech played host to Bowling Green this weekend. They won 4-0 the first time, but then something just fell off the bus a little bit. The second night, Bowling Green was able to come back 4-2, get the weekend split. That's big for Bowling Green. Not the best thing for Michigan Tech since they are third in the CCHA and trying to get a little bit climbing uh, to pick up the slack from Bemidji State these past couple weekends. And then only three, t- only six teams compared to the eight were in action this past weekend. St. Thomas went all the way up to Fairbanks. They lost against the Nooks of Alaska. 6-1 the first game and 7-3 the second. So you hate to see it for them, but... You know, St. Thomas, they're a new team, so you kind of expected it. So we'll see what they do uh, in these last couple weekends. Hopefully they can get some more regular season wins, make some history. But, you know, Minnesota State and Bemidji didn't play this weekend because they play next weekend. So Yeah, I they had the weird bye week. Yeah. So, yeah. But a lot of, a lot of good things that we want to see from this hockey team. And, I mean, this year's been up and down, but no better time for the roller coaster to go up but at the end of the year right there's got to be there's yeah. got to be something to happen we can break out of this right every slump can come to the end and we can play some good hockey and hopefully it's this weekend y'all and we can help them out by wearing red coming in support for red out against michigan tech both friday at seven o'clock and michigan tech on er, at six o'clock Mi- at michigan tech is 707 on friday yes 607 on saturday, saturday. that's why i thought um, and if you're looking for a, a basketball game to go watch this end of the week, don't plan on it because you'll yeah, probably be traveling to Wisconsin yeah, you're gonna have and to, Purdue. You're going to so. have to have a pretty big road trip ahead of you. So come to the ba- come to the come. hockey game, experience Red Out, have a good time. We're going to have a good time. Wear Absolutely. red. Wear red, yes. Wear, red. Wear your red. Bring some bring some dollar bills, donate a little bit. We got Venmo too, so you know, yeah, sauce a little gonna bit. It's going to be a good time. I also heard there's a national championship football. What? Is this confirmed? What? I think it is confirmed. So Signed we, by the whole team? Ah, oh boy. That would, I heard even Anise has a signature on what? there. What? Oh, my god, that's worth some oh, money. You might have to come and check that out and bid for yourself. Dude, speaking of last night, or this is just a side note, dude, I was like, I bet on like one thing, or not bet, but I bid on like one like thing for the sound auction. It was like a protein thing and like a shaker cup. This one lady came in <laughs> and just put like... A fat stacks on everything. She was like, I'm gonna bet like or I'm gonna bid like thirty dollars on this basketball, the next basketball. She looks like she hasn't like she's like an old lady, but she bid it on the shaker cup and the protein. I was like, What are you gonna use that for? <laughs> what the heck? And then she bid on other stuff and I'm just like, What the, are you doing she right now? She went down the whole line. She was just you know, yeah, she's she was like, just I'm trying to put support. everything. I put like twenty two bucks down. That was pretty funny because there was that one point where 
I was I think I was bidding on um the BR Nutrition gift card. I I really love what they do and the the shakes awesome by the way. Um shameless plug, shameless plug. But shameless um, plug. uh I bid on it. It was a $20 gift card for like $15 and this lady I think put down like 30 on it and I was like Okay, well, I guess I'm not getting that. Maybe she's helping out the cause. <laughs> so love to yeah, see it. no, we love that. Just the fact of like, you know, you're just like, man, I could actually use this, and then somebody comes across and just bids on everything. You're like, I I love it, but I hate it at the same time. You know, it's a love hate relationship with that sort of stuff. But uh, definitely a fun time. We can't wait to see what you guys do to donate on Friday and Saturday because we had much much higher expectations coming for this weekend and we blew it out of the water last night comparison to what we were projecting so it's so going it's gonna to be a good be, time it's going to be, it's gonna be ex- a good time it's going to be exciting but moving on over into track and field big meet was this weekend and how'd you run brandon let us know brandon i'll get to that here in a second i wanted to point out that they they did the calculations from uh, on the recap on the website 1800 athletes 150 teams combined that were at this meet Dang. over in Brighton. Yeah, that's huge. Over two days? For the two days. Jeez. That, that is nuts. And there actually might have been even more that piled in on Saturday as well. I think they said 1,000, but I'm sure some of them rolled over that competed um, in a double like some of our teammates did. But uh, a lot of good things uh, over the weekend. Uh, our buddy Donis Harris placed 29th in the 5K um, that we talked to last week. You can check that out in the the feed below he ran a great race and yeah 29th he ran i believe in the low 15 low 15s so yeah that's ridiculous how fast that is but uh, we're just gonna disreg- just disregard that and just the fact there's that many people running that fast yikes uh rayleigh finished third in the 67.02 he's still so close to seven i'm uh, predicting it at conference he's gonna get it uh dakota simpson sixth in the 400 noah griffith 10th in the mile at 421 ethan hamilton got a pr 430 finishing 21st as well uh jake submitted ninth in the shot put uh Caldrear 12th in the weight throw pr for him he said he threw really well at 14.41 meters uh four by four finished eighth overall uh, Hannah Brock, 18th in the mile, as well as Danae Feldposh right behind in 20th. Sydney Kubiak, 22nd. Uh, Claudia Wilson, or Wilkinson, excuse me, I almost said Wilson. Think about Russell Wilson right now. <laughs> don't, don't, don't question it. Uh, came in 25th in the hurdles and fifth in the high jump, which was a really impressive performance. Uh, Brianna Copley, fifth in the shot put. Emma Stefan, 10th in the weight throw. Uh, the women's 4x4 was ninth overall. And I believe that the I believe that our four by team was four by four team was eighth the final. Mm. But all those results, uh, I ended up running. I believe somewhere. I think it was at like a nine forty three k. Really slow. I knew that was going to be really slow. Uh, I had no expectations coming in to run a fast time. Uh, I'll be frankly honest. I just want to feel how it raced again, and it honestly felt it felt really good, but it was way too easy. So uh, it was a good return. I was glad just to get out there. Of course, I was like, yeah, throw the time out the window. I don't care. Uh, but just being able to feel how it was racing again, it's something that you walk away from and you're like, oh, crap. This is how you have to race yeah. again. It's a different feeling. But uh, it should be a good um, coming up at Saginaw. I'll be, um, I'm looking to, to rip a little faster this upcoming weekend at Saginaw, which will be on Friday, the tune-up before the big dance at Allendale next weekend for the conference championships. Should be pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it because Friday meets are always better. You know, you have the Friday meets. Um, you're able to lock it in on Friday and then have the weekend to yourself. It just has that, that cool feeling about it. But, yeah. I mean, it should be good. And right now, I mean, we saw a lot of good things 
um, from Big Meat that really could say we can make some noise in the conference if everything gets shaped out right. Everyone's peak looking to peak at the right time, and that's going to be really, really good for us coming up in the conference championships. For sure. Really looking forward to what you guys can do. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. But finishing out the Ferris State Sports Report, uh, tennis was in action over the weekend. Um, they were taking on Finley and Tiffin in the their regional about a little travel down there. I heard it was kind of snowing down there, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, women's tennis, uh, unfortunately, got um, the short end of the stick. Both matches, uh, four three losses to Finley and Tiffin. Good regional, good regional matchups. Uh, just not quite able to get the job done. But uh, I mean, basically, what I, I mean, it sounded like they competed really well. Uh, but I mean, obviously, you getting getting the loss definitely hurts. But um, definitely looking at. This says, I mean, you have this as an ex. You kind of have this as an exhibition. Obviously, it's a match, but I mean, you're still getting back into it. I mean, you're haven't competed in a while, and just how we were able. I believe we ended up winning, if I remember correctly. Um, the single, I we we really did well in the doubles. We ended up taking two doubles matches um, on the women's side against Finley, but on the singles we struggled a little bit. Um, as of where um, Tiffin, it was more. It seemed like it was kind of more of the opposite, where um, we did we did better in the singles um, and not as well in the doubles. So just kind yeah. of one of those you don't piece them together, and once you piece it together, I mean that's when you get the the good performances, which the men were able to do um, against Finley and Tiffin, two wins in the book, seven zero against Finley and six one against Tiffin, big wins, uh, especially for a team that's looking at going for another ring. I That's feel true. like I say the same thing every single episode. Yeah, I mean, but they—I mean—they are. They're trying to push it out. I mean, they obviously had that loss to Western Michigan, but I mean, they're looking pretty solid. I mean, what is it? Two more weeks, three more weeks of non-conference play until we hop into Grand Valley State for the GLIAC opener, which is going to be a tough one. Uh, but I mean, we're at the Racket Center for—I mean—a while. Yeah. Four games in or four matches in a row, and then we have a little bit of a stopper against St. Leo, and then we have like. The, the like five the weeks, trip. <laughs> like five weeks in a row here, or or pretty, or well, we'll have yeah. the we'll have, we'll the, have the Florida trip, but then we'll have the Grand Valley and all that stuff at home. So yeah, we'll, we'll have, have like we'll have some big games, but uh, they're definitely looking good. I mean, just the fact of winning the singles are important, obviously, because I mean those are where all the points come from, and then being able to take the team, you know, can be the 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 separator. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, the women's get better at the singles, and the men keep doing what they're doing. They're going to be in great shape. But you can watch them this weekend. They'll be at home Friday uh, against Walsh at noon, and then Sunday against Hillsdale at 2.30. Might catch me and Jeffrey there. little torch inside scoop, so you might see us there. Uh, you can come over and say hi, maybe say something about the pod. We'd love to hear it because, you know, we're looking for the feedback. And you guys must subscribe and follow on Instagram and Twitter in order to get that feedback to us because we're always looking for questions to answer on the air. And you guys provide those, so that's really cool. But when we come back, we'll talk about the Super Bowl and why Matthew Stafford might have just made himself a Hall of Famer. Stay tuned. And we're back from our quick little break here. We're going to hop in now to some Super Bowl action. Arguably a, one of the greatest Super Bowls for Detroit fans, especially with Matt Stafford winning the Super Bowl. It was a great game, great halftime show. It was great all around. And, guys, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. Same. Diehard Detroit Lions fan. 
And I was Detroit so happy everybody. when the trade went down. I said, as soon as the trade went down, I said, listen, Matthew Stafford is going to go to the Rams. They're going to win a Super Bowl. So the same thing? No, I was, Brian, I was wrong about a couple of things. I said he'd be the Super Bowl MVP. He wasn't, but he was in the MVP candidate. So, I mean, I, I told people it was going to happen. Nobody believed me. And I, I seen it come to fruition. I said, and I'm reaping the benefits. I said at the start, I've, I was trying to find the clip uh, last night of the podcast of which uh, episode it was that I said Rams are going to the Super Bowl. It's the one where we heard that the Matt Stafford trade went down. And I said, Rams are going to the Super Bowl. They're winning. Lock it in. You know, bet on it, whatever. Because, I mean, that game last night, he didn't have like the greatest game, had two picks, but he had some great throws that, you know, came to fruition and were able to really give the give the Rams uh, some pretty comfortable leads. Really surprised that the that Evan McPherson didn't get a shot at the end, uh, that the Bengals weren't able to get him anything. Uh, there's a little bit of a conspiracy there, too, with Aaron Donald lining up offsides, but we'll talk about that in a second. But, Brian, what were your thoughts? Offsides? What, you, what? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the officiating is the first thing that people were talking about. Pretty garbage officiating, I'm not going to lie. It was... The, I think the biggest thing that people hated was the fact that it was called pretty loose early on and then it got really tight in the last couple of minutes, which, I mean, I think you can pretty you can well understand uh, the fact of just how how nature, how contrasting it was naturally that you could be a little upset about that. But, I mean, overall, I mean, I thought this game was, I mean, not necessarily I think the hype that we probably would have put it up to. Um, I think a lot of people were probably expecting like a, a 40 to 40 shootout, which would have been awesome, but... I think that just credits how great great both these defenses are. I mean, the Rams we know has a have a legit defense and have had one for the last time, but I think that the Bengals really showed like that team really improved defensively. They were fantastic in this game early on. I mean, they held the Rams really kind of locked up to only pretty much I mean, they got the first score with Odell um and then the the, the next touchdown to Cup, then that they really after that botched, which that was kind of funny, the the botched snap or sorry, botched hold on the mm. extra point. Thank you. Um, they really never. They only had three. They only scored the last. They had the field goal, and then they didn't score until the very end of the game. So I mean, that defense was great. Yeah, I mean, Eli Apple. Well, I mean, yeah, he got burned, but the, everybody else did really well. Uh, I mean, that's just funny how that beeps going around. But I mean, really, the bottom line in this game was, I mean, really come down to the last play, like. Joe Burrow just didn't have time, and I think that just shows what they need to improve on for this upcoming season because they got through it, really, to get to this point. But, I mean, really down the stretch, that especially on that last play, I don't know if you guys saw the the, the extended version of what was on the other camera that Jamar Chase was open, yeah, very open on the last play, and if Burrow would have had another second or two, Bengals would be Super Bowl champs, and the Rams would not be in, in Disney World right now. And yeah. that's just a crazy thing to think about, but that's really how it went. But you got to give credit to Matthew Stafford for being able to really adapt because there was no running game in this game, really. There really Absolutely wasn't. Absolutely They were getting stuffed left and right. you got to credit that front seven for the Bengals. But he hung in there, and they made the plays down the stretch. And who else to give it to but arguably one of the best non-quarterbacks, pretty much the best non-quarterback positional player in the NFL in Cooper Cup because he got his number called, and he deserved that Super Bowl MVP for what he did down the stretch, because that was yep. super impressive. Yeah, he was a he was a guy who was able to really come in clutch a lot of times. I just want to quick talk about the halftime performance. <laughs> One of the better ones that we've seen in a while. Not gonna lie. Wow. I mean, I'm not a huge like rap guy or anything, but like that was so pretty sick. Like the setting was up pretty cool. 
like the stage and stuff like that. And like the way that they transition to different songs and like when they introduce like the new like Eminem's intro was pretty cool. Uh you know, Snoop Dogg was like really good in it too. It was a really good one. I know you got something to say about it, Jeff. Fifty Cent came came out hanging upside down. It was <laughs> it was getting lit. I mean <laughs> I mean for it to be in LA and then to, you know, have those California legends come out and perform for the Super Bowl, I mean that that was amazing. And then they really did a yeah. really great job uh with that performance. I was say this, I don't know what the people on the other side of the stadium were looking at when they were like, because they were just looking at the backside of it, so like they didn't get any of the dancers or anything. I feel like they were probably looking, looking at, the at, the, at the jumbotron, but yeah. still, like you kind of got hosed with that one a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, I mean, so it was a great performance. You I mean, did you watch got a free the concert, Super Bowl like, there. and you got to watch Super Bowl. But like, <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing I was just like, oh man, they're just looking at the back of the back of the stage. They don't get to see anybody looking at them. But a little bad, a little bad. Yeah, I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. I think it's. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it, like, some people are calling it the greatest of all time. I think there's some a little bit of competition up there. I mean, the Michael Jackson one yeah. certainly comes to mind. That one was pretty darn good. I, I don't know if you but, could beat Mike Jack. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. But I think, the, in, the recent, the greatest. I think in, in recent memory, though, it's oh, got to yeah. be up there. I think it was great. And I know some people, um, like, um, some people that I've talked to in my family were kind of like, they, they weren't necessarily, like, it was good, but they kind of didn't understand how great it was just because I think that... A lot of the people who, um, especially like the older generations, um, they didn't grow up on some of the, like this stuff to where like we, we really appreciate it because like this is kind of like the culture that we're in compared to for what they had uh, would fit more of like the, like when I asked my dad, it was like, yeah, the Michael Jackson one was better. Um, and I would agree with that, but I think it definitely can show like where some people are saying this one's better just because of, you know, this is what the culture that all, our generation has grew up in. So that makes sense. But I mean, I mean, the, the halftime show was pretty solid there was some pretty good commercials in there the greatest commercial i i would almost argue in super bowl history was the coinbase one that was one of the best commercials it had no words or well like what five five words at, the, like, very at end. the very end it like said what it was but it was just a qr code flowing across the screen and then the perfect ending to it was that it hit the corner yes and it was like all right sick and then it just was like chilling there that was honestly like market like Marketing genius, right it there, because the, it was so simple. I mean, you had to pay for the spot, or anything, that was but creativity. Though. To make it, to make it, is so like cheap or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. That was just crazy. There was a lot of them that like sucked. Like there is, yeah, there was some compared to like the last couple of years. Like they really stink. Like I feel like it's been a lot more. Uh, like the past couple, of, like when I was a kid, like every single Super Bowl commercial was a banger. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, that was a sick commercial. Like that was really good. Like remember, like, I think it was like 2007 when they had the 3D commercial. Yeah, dude, that one was sick. Mm-hmm. And they had all these different things. But then it's like, oh hey, like we just got, we we have like a credit karma commercial or whatever it was. There's like an insurance one or something this year. It's stupid. Yeah, the, the creativity. I feel like kind of was lacked in because i think there was a lot of there was some good ones but they were just kind of ones that were so scattered you were like what is actually going on yeah here? like there it's just kind of like i don't know how many times i was like you paid multi-million dollar contract to put this in the super bowl <laughs> like yeah. this is this just isn't this, this is just really the work. best you could come up with like yeah, but, with your group of marketers yeah they, i just wasn't but i think coinbase stole the show because i don't know how many people but i would bet a large margin was watching the TV screen, and all they see is the QR code, and they're like, what's going on? And you know our generation's like, 
QR code. It. I'm scanning that. I see what happens. How it. many people did that? Because they were curious. There's like two. Or, there's two genius. people. Two Absolute people genius. That were at my house that did it. Like my roommate and then some other person that was over scanned it and they're like, ah, it's Coinbase. Yeah. It, it would have been cool if they like did like an ad to that or something like that. Yeah. Or, like added it to something or like you had to keep doing stuff. But yeah, that's the, so good. The curiosity factor, I think, was just perfect just the the whole idea the creativity was was impressive i honestly like miss like the uh the classic commercials too like you know the like the, the budweiser, budweiser ones yes budweiser horse i missed that one like um, ford used to do one i think that was like pretty good mm-hmm. and it's like the it, it felt like there's just so many that like weren't a lot of like it felt like they were at like you could tell they were commercials like because before you could tell like Okay, at least that's like a little bit of a storyline. It's funny. It's like you, you know, it's actually fun to watch. But these ones, are just like you can definitely tell, it's just like a commercial. Like I don't know, like they're obviously commercials. All of them are, but like you could definitely tell that these ones are just like oh, like commercials. The crypto one that that, that was pretty good too. When yeah. they used the CGI to like kind of like bring back the younger Bron talking to himself. That one was good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then you know, Joe, you just missed you know. The trailer, but we're not going to talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah, the, the Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah, I had to go to the bathroom, dude. Don't even worry about it. Also, had people over for, like, to make tacos. Like, five people bailed, so I had, like, had to eat, like, nine tacos that night. Not the best, so that's probably why I was what? in the bathroom. However, so that's kind of a side note, but, yeah, I just watched that trailer on YouTube. You ate nine tacos? Not proud of it. Not proud of it, but I did it. <laughs> that's it. Okay, I did have, like, three three bowls of, like, chips and not, or salsa, but nine hey, it's tacos. It's Super Bowl, dude. It's, it's what happened. You no. ever been to Trini's in Sparta, just down in, on the, oh. the the Thursday, or what is it, Tuesday or Thursday night taco night, where, like, mm. they have the all-you-can-eat tacos? Those are the best. But that's how it is. But anyways, back to the game. What sure, are, yeah. Yeah, back to the game. We, we kind of talk about the Bengals a little bit. Joe Burrow's going to be back. I know he's going to be back to the Super Bowl pretty soon, I'd say, because what he's been able to do in these short amount of times, especially with what he's able to do in the game, if they can get an offensive line, if they can like draft or just get a few guys in free agency uh, that can really complement that and just try to keep the guys around them they already have, I think they can do big things. They're going to be a, a, a like a pretty hot market team for free agency, I believe. I, yeah. I mean, you look at it; it's only his second year. Yeah, it's only his second year. It's only Jamar's got Jamar first Chase year. First, T. Yeah. Higgins second. I mean, they got a a great a lot of young a lot of young weapon. guys. A lot of young guys who you know have a lot of time on their contracts still. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, why why if you're a free agent offensive lineman, why not go to the Bengals, and you know. Joe Burrow is not gonna. He's not gonna just sit in the pocket all day. I mean, he's gonna help you out a little bit. He's pretty creative with his feet. So I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty hot market destination for a lot of offensive linemen out there. And mm-hmm. then you know they got to do the work in the draft as well to get him some help on the offensive line because I think they're set with weapons. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I think like when you look at what this team needs, no question they they need an offensive lineman. Uh, but I think the the biggest thing that I have a, an issue with is the people that are coming now after the Super Bowl saying, "Oh, should have picked Penay Sewell." Stop it! No, no, that is not what they should have did. And they wouldn't be here. if They, they wouldn't have Penny made Sewell. it to the Super Bowl if without Jamar Chase. Like I looked into some of these, there was I believe four games at least that he had over like 90 yards and a touchdown and those were like a couple of them i know for sure were game winners like the kansas city game of course we had 266 yards you don't beat kansas city 
without Jamar Chase, really. Yeah. And I know that there's you got Joe, Joe Burrow never had time. He would have delivered it to somebody else. This is how I see it. I mean, obviously we saw what they did with Jamar Chase in not picking Sewell. They ended up going to the Super Bowl. If they had Sewell and not Chase, I think that they they squeak in at like nine and eight, ten and seven, and then they get knocked out in the first couple of rounds because they just get overwhelmed. It's it's a little different because uh, like if you pick an offensive lineman, he can only do so much. He's only going to stop yes. maybe you know that one side. You know, you still got the other side that they can attack. So mm-hmm. I mean, they mm-hmm. did make the right decision in going with Jamar Chase. Uh, it's already someone that had connection with Joe Burrow. So I mean. That's obviously something that Joe Burrow wanted. So, I mean, they did the right decision picking him. And then, you know, the Lions got lucky and Penesua fell to them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think both teams got the perfect pick. Like, if you did a redraft, that's staying the same with those two teams. Sua would come to Detroit, and Cincinnati would love to take Jamar Chase. And I think, like, that could be one position they would be at 31. I mean, kind of looking into the mock drafts. I mean, we'll get into that more um, in the month of March towards the draft. But I think you definitely see a lot of things that Cincinnati could use that would be huge. I think an offensive line would be huge. I mean, obviously, you'd love to have um, you'd love to have depth or depth. Excuse me. Um, is CJ Ozuma gonna gonna resign? You might need to look at a tight end as necessarily. Maybe get another pass catcher. Uh, but I think there's so many things that you can. You can look to improve on because I think when you look on paper, you're like, well, yeah, the guy's good, but is he really that good? Like, there's not a bunch. That's the, the thing I loved about the Super Bowl was it was the Rams. Everybody knows who was playing for the Rams, right? Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Eric Weddle, wonderful. You get the gist. But it's the Bengals defense, you're like, wait, who's that guy? Oh, that guy's pretty good. What's his name? Trey Hendrickson? Oh, man, that guy can play. It was like the perfect contrast of the well-known versus the unknown. And the Bengals really, I think, proved themselves as a team that really has got all the tools. They just need that good protection and a, a couple more playmakers on the defensive side. And, boy, they're going to be a legit team. They showed a lot this year. Yeah, they're going to be around for a while. I mean, for me, I think the turning point in the Super Bowl was when Odell got hurt because I feel like if Odell doesn't get hurt, that game is not as close as it was because, I mean, Odell was on his way to probably being the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. I mean, he, him and Stafford were connecting, and he was he was racking it up. Uh, good touchdown, a lot of yards. I mean, it's sad that he went down the way he did towards ACL. I mean, the same knee that he just did the previous year. So, I mean. Yeah, you hate to see it. I mean, that, that one really sucks, too, because, like, he was actually – like like he said, he was probably making a case for the MVP. But I mean, that whole game too was just crazy. I've, the one thing I really was like pretty surprised about, or not surprised about, but one thing that made me laugh during it was when Jamar Chase made that diving one-handed grab, uh, kind of up the sideline or whatever. And then the first thing I thought about was like, I love how in the preseason, all like the scouting reports and stuff was like, he can't catch a ball. Can't he catch drops the ball. The ball. <laughs> he drops the ball too much, and I was like. We'll see what happens, but dude, LSU is wide receiver. You, I think you got. Oh, I think you got to yeah. make the make the claim that that's wide receiver. You, but it's they got what? There's three receivers from the the national championship team inside the NFL right now, mm-hmm. yeah. and two of them are even more. emerging as the, some of the best receivers. Yeah, we got game. Odell, Jamar, Jarvis. Jarvis. Uh, another one, Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall, Jefferson, Jefferson. Jefferson. I That's mean, you can even, you can even make the claim for Clyde Edwards Elair. I mean, he's a running back, but he can still catch. No, mm-hmm. He's he's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you look at that how special that team was, and I think 
you've just rekindling that magic was was huge enough getting joe and jamar together i know they were talking a lot about their relationship on the broadcast which was really cool i i love the story of jamar went to joe burrow's neighbor and pretty much bought the house off him so they could live next to each other i mean that's how much they care about each other and it's just really cool to see from a receiver and a quarterback's perspective when you have those guys I mean, there's times you can win games just by those guys alone, and that's really kind of what we saw on the other side late in the game. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. I mean, they were throwing tens away the whole oh, the whole last drive, and it was working. So just just that ability to see what the Bengals did this year, I think, was impressive. But I mean, you got to give I I really want to got to give the Rams credit for because what they did was a huge risk, right? They bought in to get all the superstars and. You, it's it's chip or nothing at that point, right? And we had this team like, yeah, they're probably Cardinals are going to beat them again, or they're going to fall. And they run into Brady, they're doomed, and they never folded one second. And that's what you bought, that's what you paid for, that's what you gave picks up for, and that's why you were in win now mode to get these guys in the chip this year, and they got it done because what they did was a huge risk, right? Because in a quote, well, let's be honest, in a couple years they're going to be on a downslope because they're not going to have any picks, and some of their guys are going to retire and they're going to leave. Even even this year, especially the reports, Aaron Donald might retire. So it's win now, and then what do they do? Want it now? Got to give them credit. For sure, they they did what they set out to do was win the the Super Bowl. That was what they traded away all those picks for. I mean not. I mean, of course, they'd probably, you know, looking to win the Super Bowl, you know, multiple times. But, I mean, if Aaron Donald does retire, I mean, that kind of, like, sets him back a little bit. I mean, because he's such a big presence on the field. Um, is the last two plays he made on the Super Bowl. I mean, Yeah, won the game. That was incredible. I mean, he just basically just pulled the running back back, like, behind the line. Like, no, yeah. not yeah. today. That's crazy. He's such a uh, – he's ridiculously strong. Like that's just like ridiculous to me how he's just like pushing around these grown men and he's just he's pretty short for uh, for a defensive yeah. lineman he can just move him around whenever he wants to and that's crazy. The man is a menace. I mean, what you six? can make the argument that he did line up offside on fourth and one though. Ooh. You can make the argument. There's but. a lot of arguments. I mean, Jalen Ramsey got face mask. Oh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey face mask call. <laughs> the questionable holding mm-hmm. it was the on what third pass and goal. There was. There's I mean, a that's whole just, bunch of stuff. That's just referees being referees, though. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah. just it was kinda, chalk it up to that. It kind of feels equally as bad, you know? Like, I mean, that that play on Ramsey on the face mask and that T. Higgins catch in this, to start the second half was like, you're like, ah, oh, don't let the game come down to this, right? Yeah. But then it kind of comes back into, you You have that play come to fruition late and you see the, the pass interference called uh, on third and goal. And you were like, is that really a hold? And you're like... Now is it a makeup call? Now the Bengals fans are throwing stuff, and you're like, oh, what are you, what are you supposed to do at that point? But, yeah, true. I mean, you got to know, like, this game is important. Like, you have the, the best crew. Um, I mean, you want the best crew, of course, but you have the crew that you have seen all year that has been the best, right, because that's why they, they're in the Super Bowl. And especially, like, some of them it's are – it's it's the big game of like yeah you you have that like it's just like the players you have the the jitters you have the nerves and it's like sometimes you can get a little frantic on it and especially late uh, when you had everything going on there at the end of the fourth you were like okay this is quite differently than what we saw at the beginning of the game but I'm um, I think the the funny thing I saw was the the on the holding when they had um they put the graphic up somebody made a comment of like you know if you would have wore a white glove that would not have been a hold. 
and arguably the Bengals make a stop and they'd be in the Super Bowl. So just coming down to the accessories you wear could have won you the Super Bowl. I mean, that was fascinating. I don't think it probably would have been like that drastic of a change. Just the fact like, yeah, you wear the wrong gloves, bro. Like you cost us the game. But just pretty funny how that stuff works out. But I mean, got to give credit to these teams for both making it here. And I mean, what it was a great game. I think it was the highest viewed Super Bowl, I believe. I had the number pulled up. Uh, I believe it was 100 and 1 million viewers which is i think 10 million higher than it was last year that's how that's how many people were watching the super bowl because it was that great of a game and it was two likable teams yeah yeah and i mean afterwards now you got you know the controversy you know pulling up should stafford be in the hall of fame i mean should he, he pretty much it's a little, he'll make it, I think, if his if it comes down to it, because the Hall of Fame today, you can definitely make the case that the Hall of Fame is just like very watered down to what the qualifications are. I'd say I would like to see him in the Hall of Fame because I think he deserves it because he was an incredible quarterback those thirteen years. It's just he doesn't have the accolades to or he does have the accolades because he set records, but he doesn't have, you know, the you know, the championship names or something like that to show for it. But I think with this Super Bowl, and I think if he does it next year or it goes far next year and, you know, these probably last four or five years of his career and he, you know, shows out and really does stuff, I think he'll definitely make the Hall of Fame because at that point it's like how could you not put him in there if he's, you know, making an immediate impact on a team? Yeah, I think here's the the thing for me on the Hall of Fame is do I think that Matthew Stafford can find his way into the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Is he there yet? I don't know. Not yet. I don't think he's there quite yet. And I the only reason I say that is because I mean obviously the 12 years in Detroit were were tough. Like that 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 was a hard thing to take and I mean you lost your three playoff games. The the slander that came to him that he was going to be awful this year was absolutely disregarded because that just shows how bad that Lions organization handled everything that was going on with that team. We can get into that later, but the idea of him being a Hall of Famer right now doesn't sit great with me because I agree with Joe that it lowers the standards, right? Because, I mean, accolades-wise, I mean, not an MVP. I mean, he's he's a, a four-time Pro Bowler. Not even, uh, I think. One I, time, but, like, the thing is, like, playing in Detroit, uh, a team that you're, you're not winning much, but you're putting up great individual stats, but just not winning much because of you know, the team that they have surrounded you with, that kind of hindered him really getting those personal achievements like getting to those Pro Bowls and uh, being in the MVP, like, conversation a lot because when you're looking at a team like Detroit with Matthew Stafford putting up good numbers, but the team's not winning, then, of course, you're not going to get any, you know, you're any not going to get any or yeah, recognition. Like yeah, he's a one-time Pro Bowler. I mean, now a Super Bowl champ. Uh, he was the comeback player of the year in 2011, but other than that, I think he, I think what what I had was like he had four Pro Bowl considerations. I think in his career where he was like in the finalists, but I, I mean, you look at those accolades and you're like, I mean, it's not great. But then you look at what the statistics he put up, and I think that's what I think the biggest thing like to connect with Joe's idea on how the the standards are being lower because of the perception of media now is changed so drastically. Because in reality, it's like Matthew. Like we when we watched we watched older football, you would see the numbers, you'd see the great players, and you were like, "Yeah, we can make the argument for you know, of course, Lawrence Taylor's a Hall of Famer because you ha- you can see on paper like how great he was 
for the for the Giants in that Super Bowl champion, all these things, probably one of the greatest players to ever play the game, especially on the defensive side. But you never necessarily were like, yeah, he's he's so good because of the team he's playing on, right? Lawrence Taylor was like a menace. I mean, he's probably a bad example because it's really far out there. But it's kind of like what you'd consider, if you're like, should Larry Fitzgerald be in the Hall of Fame, right? The guy's one of the greatest receivers of all time catching the football, right? He's had the least drops of anybody in an entire career by, like, a landslide. But he's played in Arizona. He hasn't won everything. Like, he's been a pro bowler. He's been an all-pro selection. But he's not. He doesn't have the accolades. So, the fact then, but the media perception of him is... He's that great of a player. He deserves to be in there. And now you got, like, especially some of the the older NFL fans that are like, well, he wasn't good as this guy. This guy's a Super Bowl champ. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Why are we making this conversation, right? Because it's the media. It's the numbers that we put out and the circumstances that now we're applying to justify why some of these guys get into the Hall of Fame, like Matthew Stafford, that now we're creating these questions of, well, yeah, I guess considering this, we put him in there, and now it's like, oh, no. Now the standards are getting lower. Now they're getting lower. Now they're getting lower, right? Because mm-hmm. some people are even saying, like, oh, Odell should be in the Hall of Fame. And you're like, whoa. What? Now, see how low we're getting now? Like, he's 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 a great player, but is he that quiet of a caliber? Now you're questioning how prestigious Hall of Fame really is, in my opinion. I see the argument, like, the argument, like, Stafford, his stats, his personal stats, like, his achievements of, like, the – youngest quarterback to ever I mean the fastest quarterback to reach 30,000 yards uh throughout a career throughout yeah. a career in 109 games um his comebacks that he did uh the 25 fourth quarter comebacks yeah he's incredible started from some 2009 when he came in yeah I mean now you looking at that the comebacks and the stretch that happened this playoffs you go you go against the Cardinals you blow them out. Yeah, it's it's not a competition, easy game. Now you're going to you're going against Brady. Jump off to an early lead. They fight back. Game winning drive. Caps it off. You move on to San Francisco. Once again, another tough game. Game winning drive. And now Super Bowl. Another game winning drive. And then you give your defense a chance to make the plays. Yeah. So, I mean, all those games getting decided by three points, I mean, that's it, it shows that he, he's his ability that mm-hmm. everyone says, he, like, you know, he's he's not a good quarterback. He can't make the, 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 the clutch plays. He can't come through in the clutch. He's not a, a, a playoff winner. I mean, he came in there this, just this season with the Rams and proved everyone wrong. Now he's on the winning side. In the playoff record, four and three, and now he's also a Super Bowl champ. I mean, so going forward, we're looking at his stats, you know, because he's not done yet. He's only thirty-four years old. I mean, yeah. he's probably got at least five, six years left in him. His stats are only going to continue to grow. He's going to get he's going to get Pro Bowl considerations. Yeah, uh, he's going to get a couple Pro Bowls. I mean, he's going to be in the MVP uh, candidacy uh, again. Um, it just depends on you know, really just you know. Like this season, he had a couple a couple more interceptions. That if he doesn't have, you know, he he's possibly fighting in that like the top three of that MVP candidate. Yeah, beating out Aaron Rodgers for that. And I think the one thing is like now, if you look at it, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer right now. Uh, just by looking at it, he's got to have probably another. I'd say to solidify it, get another Super Bowl. 
and then you can say he's a Hall of Fame quarterback because if you win two Super Bowls and you're one of the main reasons for it, then like that's basically sealing the deal. But right now, I think he's got to get a little bit, a couple more accolades to get it. Because like for Tom, obviously like it's not like the same thing. But Tom Brady, like it's an obvious choice for a Hall of Fame because he's the right. greatest quarterback to ever do it. Aaron Rodgers, you can make the argument that he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. A great argument that he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback because he has the accolades for it. He's won MVP multiple times. He's won a Super Bowl before. He's been to the Pro Bowl several times already. So when you look at that, like, yeah, he has the accolades and he does it on the field. Matt Stafford can do it on the field and he does it really well. It's just he doesn't have the accolades yet, and that's right. the one big thing. Yeah, I feel like those those are going to come within these these next years because he's he's finally on a a team that is actually recognized. Yeah, you've actually seen recognized on, and actually seen good. on television. People are finally praising you for like all these throws that you throw, um, the no look passes, you know your your arm talent. Um, so like just going forward, he's gonna get those accolades. I mean, even if he like makes a couple more Pro Bowls, I mean, who do you put him over Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers has, you know, all the Pro Bowls, but he doesn't have a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl ring. So I mean, That's at the end of the day, thing. comes on that, and then then if he does, you know, get another Super Bowl ring, I mean, he's kind of a lock because. Especially if you know if he walks away with that being the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, there's no chance that he won't get it. But that's the thing is, if the if is the Hall of Fame committee going to get more stringent on their rules of what it takes to get in the Hall of Fame, or are they going to get more lax? And by the recent trends, they're going to get a lot more lax. So I don't doubt that he's going to get in. I don't doubt that probably Philip Rivers will get in just because, like I said, the Hall of Fame credentials and what it takes to get in there have really gone down, in my opinion. But I don't know. Another crazy stat that to look at. You got Cooper Cup, who had you know the most receiving yards and since Calvin Johnson. And you look at Calvin Johnson and say, okay, who is who was his quarterback? His quarterback was Matthew Stafford. Cooper Cup, before this season, was maybe maybe a top ten receiver in the league. That's what they had really had him at. He was good, but he was not this good. Yeah, and now you pair him up with Matthew Stafford, and now look look at where it's at. The ball has gotten to him, you know, a lot more. So, I mean, it just it kind of talks for itself about, like, how good of a quarterback Matthew Stafford is when he's two of the receivers who have had, you know, arguably the greatest uh, receiving seasons he by a receiver. He's throwing them the ball. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to take that stuff into account, too. What do you, his talent. Yeah. What do you got to say, Brandon? What? <laughs> well, I was just about to say that, the idea of Cooper Cup being a top 10 receiver last year was not necessarily thought of. Like, would you put him in the conversation of Devontae Adams? Would you put him in the conversation of DeAndre Hopkins? Last year. How about now? What's the, like, are you taking him? I'll tell you, I'll take him first overall in my fantasy draft receiver-wise. I'm willing to take that. That's just how well that Matthew Stafford has been able to develop some of these receivers. And it's just really interesting now. And, I mean, it's going to be... I'm really interested to see what he does over the next couple of years because, I mean, if this is just a one-and-done thing, we're going to have this conversation again. But I think it's pretty fair to say if the, he keeps this run, wins a couple more Pro Bowls, and wins a couple more championships, that he's probably going to be a shoe into the Hall of Fame. But what do you guys think? Let us know. Vote now on our Spotify account that you can vote now on these shows, on all of our topics. So you can vote right now that if Matthew Stafford should be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I don't think he's there yet. Joe doesn't think he's there yet. Jeffrey thinks he's close. Pro Bowl quarterback or Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame. There you go. go. Hall of Fame. Sorry. He is a Pro Bowl quarterback in my mind, but. Hall of Fame? I think not quite. I think at the end of his career, 
he's going to be a lock for the Hall of Fame. All right. Yeah, I think so too. It's just you know, depending still, on what he does. He still now. has five years left, so yeah, yeah we'll it'll be interesting. Happens. But thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate you, Jeffrey. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you on. Until next time, guys. Take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.